This morning during the guided meditation that I'll be offering in just a few minutes, I'll be inviting you to add just a a few specific things into your meditation that you might find helpful in order to embody being that door person. Um, So just a few things that there'll be. One is, you know, I'll invite you to place this altruistic intention that I shared with you about yesterday evening. And then also taking some time for relaxation. I noticed that that it it can be so helpful just to allow the body to relax because it, it allows me to arrive in a different way. And then not only that, this uh, invitation to be sensitive to pleasure, in particular within the breath, if the breath is kind of the anchor that you come back to. Um, I think this is one of the things that I've discovered in, in this path and this practice and really seen in the teachings is the importance of really savoring pleasure. One of the the striking things that I notice about how the Buddha taught is that a lot of times it is this line of pleasure that he's following, and it's this skill of savoring it. Um, You can really see that in in essence the Buddha was a pleasure junkie. I know that um, a little bit surprising, but true. (laughs) To the path beginning with uh, generosity, and in particular the practice of generosity of how good it feels to be generous, and to really savor that and then to move into ethical conduct. But not ethical conduct. The way I learned ethical conduct growing up as Catholic is, is that it's all about feeling bad. So I felt like I had years of practice of that and that this was a different angle, which is uh, landing, having ethical integrity in my life where it feels pleasurable, that it feels good to have ethical integrity. And then uh, coming into this retreat, what we're exploring is also finding elements of our meditation when possible uh, that's pleasurable because when I can savor pleasure, the heart and mind settle, and it's very much connected with safety. Uh, when you think about it, if you're being chased by a mountain lion, you don't want to be taken in pleasure. It's not the, you're you're physiologically not designed to take in pleasure at that time, for good reason, because it keeps us um, protected. So, oppositely, if I can prime the system to take in a quality of pleasure, it can allow it to to settle. And I want to point out, even though I'll be inviting you to do this in the guided meditation, it's not like you have a lot of control or choice around this. Sometimes there's something in your experience that's pleasurable in the breath, and sometimes not. And that's just the way it is. We're we're given experience. Uh, So much of experience happens to us rather than us making it happen. So it's just an invitation around the breath. Also, I want to point out that often, I'd say maybe three to five percent of a a group that I work with, the breath actually doesn't work so well as a a kind of an anchor to come back to. And if you find the breath problematic to, to feel, then to maybe utilize something else as an anchor, such as uh, the activity of hearing or just touch other touch points in the body, like the butt on the, on the cushion or the chair, the feet, and coming back to that. So I, I do want to um, open up the space for that if the breath is problematic.
Okay, so we'll sit for about 45 minutes and I invite you to begin by allowing the attention to come inward. And you might want to begin by simply feeling the body sitting. And now I invite you to place an altruistic intention for your practice today. Maybe something simple like, may this go to the benefit of all beings. And then beginning to allow for a quality of relaxation within the body. Allowing the feet and the legs to relax. Allowing the whole hip area to relax, and in particular, allowing the pelvic floor to drop and settle. Allowing the hands to relax. As well as the arms and shoulders. Relaxing the torso, so relaxing the back, as well as the belly, the abdomen, and the chest.
giving space for the jaw to loosen and the muscles in the face to relax. And now you might want to allow the eyes to rest back into their sockets. And when you allow the eyes to rest, you might notice another quality of relaxation come into the body. I now invite you to begin to receive the feeling of the breathing. And possibly feeling it in some place specific, such as the abdomen rising and falling, or the chest cavity expanding and contracting, or the whole body breathing, but picking one. and allowing the breath to be as it is, the natural breath. So that means if it's faint and shallow, to allow it to be that way. If it's long and deep, allow it to be that way.
And if you notice anything pleasurable about the feeling of the breathing, to really savor that, to enjoy it. And if it's neutral or unpleasant, to be with that. And the same goes if the breath is not your anchor right now. There might be something pleasurable in the activity of hearing if that's what you're utilizing. And if it's neutral or unpleasant being with that. Also placing a slight smile on the face can help prime our meditation in this particular direction.
And as you continue to receive the feeling of the breathing, you might want to have this curiosity of really receiving it from the very beginning of the in-breath. to the end of the in-breath. Seeing if you can have a feeling sense for that gap that happens between the in and out breath. Then the curiosity of really feeling the beginning of the out breath all the way to the end. And then the slight gap between. And continuing with that curiosity.
And when you find the mind lost in thought, when you recognize the door person is actually in the restaurant, you might want to use a small mental note. Oh, thinking, remembering, planning. Or if it has an emotional quality, worry, agitation, excitement. To simply embody the door person again, just to notice. And then returning to the feeling of the breathing, if that's an anchor for you. And if there's another experience that arises that's stronger than the breath, that pulls the attention away from the breath, just to notice it's just another guest coming through the door. Maybe an ache in the knee. To feel that, to notice that, to be with it for a while. Or a sound or an emotion. 
that simple noticing. And then when it dissipates, coming back to simply receiving the breath with curiosity.
Where is the mind right now? It might be thinking or lost in an emotion. Just to notice. And then very gently and kindly returning to the feeling of the breathing.
So these uh, might be things that you want to bring into your sitting meditation practice, this altruistic intention, taking some time just for a quality of relaxation. And, and you might have noticed, it's not like I can make relaxation happen, but just opening the space for the body to relax if it, if it wants to. And, and then also this, this curiosity around pleasure, savoring it with whatever uh, the anchor is. Um, and again, it's not like we have a lot of choice around that, but if there is something pleasurable there, this art of, of really savoring, opening, so that the mind and body can settle. Could we have some time if you have any questions about the, the practice at all? So uh, Matthew will probably answer tomorrow in terms of that. So in, in terms of the breath, just in terms of um, uh, coming into contact or, or starting to have a relationship with the breath, it, it is tricky. I think this is part of the exploration is to get a sense of one if, if the breath is working for you. For, as I said, for some people, the breath is problematic, especially I, I've noticed... For some people who have a history, for example, around asthma or have had something traumatic, um, such as an experience of drowning or something like that, contacting the breath can uh, be really quite challenging. And so it's not like I'm trying to force that relationship if it's not there. So that, that's one thing. I just want to make a, a caveat for um, sometimes it just has a problem, problematic nature to it. And if that's the case, then finding something like hearing or just the, the, feeling the body sitting. Um, in terms of developing a relationship, even if that's not there, it can be challenging. That's what I find pleasure so important to get a sense of. It's almost like this, like I, 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 sometimes it's like savoring like a fine chocolate or something like that, just anything pleasant in the breath. So it can just be like this, mm, this, this tasting, anything pleasurable, pleasurable about the feeling of the breath. And where I can feel it most predominantly is also helpful. So like the abdomen rising and falling. Sometimes I'll even put my hand on my abdomen so I can really feel just the subtle movement there that's happening. And again, the natural breath. We're not trying to do some kind of ujjaya breath and, you know, or yogic breathing. It's just allowing the breath to be as it is um, also. And you're right, it takes patience. And I think Matthew mentioned this yesterday. We're not only cultivating this quality of presence when we're doing this. There's so many other wholesome qualities of the heart that are getting cultivated. A big one is patience. You know, this takes a lot of patience with what we're doing. It, there's a kind of determination that gets uh, cultivated around this. Also, I find that over time, um, what gets cultivated is a, is a gentleness and kindness towards myself which is intertwined with, with patience. So not to, again, gauge, as we were saying yesterday, how it's going, but how long the mind is with the breath. 
Because then we miss the broader scope of what's unfolding. It's the willingness to pay attention, much more than how much paying attention is happening. Because then this whole field of these, these qualities are going to get cultivated. Um, yeah, so those might be some things to keep in mind while making this relationship with the breath, if it's something that you do. So I find that my mind finds it a little boring, and I want to go, yeah. to, I go to post-nasal drip, which mm-hmm. is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. But I feel a little like I'm watching TV when I'm, when I'm doing that. And, I, and I've heard people say, I love watching my breath inside. Be honest, I, I want that feeling that they express. Yeah, so a couple of things. They're the, the, um, noticing that there's boredom there, um, that can be there, and not having that, that contact with the breath, the breath and kind of the post-nasal drip experience is more predominant than that. Um, and there's interest in that. So a couple things. One is, is if the post-nasal drip, drip is more predominant and there's a fascination there, that's a great object of meditation. So it doesn't matter what the object is. It, what we're looking at, at is more is just uh, is, is allowing the mind to notice what's there. So if that's predominant, that's great. And then also, how cool to notice, oh, being with the breath and then boredom arises. It's just another guest at the door. It is, it is just as valid as the breath. Because remember, the, the basis is to notice. It's the noticing and how the mind's relating to what's happening much more than what, it, what that is. Oh, cool, boredom is there. Oh, so fascinating. Oh, and then the wanting. Oh, oh, I, I, I'm wanting a relationship with the breath, and it's not there. Oh, and wanting feels like this. Oh, interesting. So, so do you hear the richness? I mean, it's much more enjoyable to talk about than to experience. I want to point that out. You know, it's like... <laughs> So I know that you're down in the trenches and it's messy and it's difficult, but that's the richness. Yeah, so thank, thank you for that. And thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you were speaking about savoring pleasure. How do you distinguish that and holding on, holding on to pleasure? Yeah, so the, the question is, the all-important question, what's, what's the difference between savoring pleasure and holding on to pleasure? And uh, something like that, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, yes, that's the question. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you're asking that. Um, what, is, what, is the, what does that feel like for myself? When is it like I'm desperately wanting the pleasure to be a little bit more or to continue? And what I notice in my body, there's a little bit of tightness, like there's a reaching for it rather than a resting with it. So it has a different uh, visceral feeling to it. Um, And you're right, it can be quite subtle. Like I remember just one story about this. I was on a, it was a month-long retreat and it was more of a concentration retreat. And... So the mind was really settled and I'd go out for walking meditation and it was at uh, Cloud Mountain uh, Retreat Center in, in Washington there. So the, the environment was just so beautiful. And so what I'd notice as I was doing the walking meditation, I'd stop and I'd take in just the, the, the experience of beauty. And, uh, and there would be this point of savoring and then I could just start to feel the mind just want to 
to kind of grasp around it. And it was this visceral feeling. It was so subtle, but just noticing that. Oh, there it is. There's the wanting more of this. And it was just in the noticing that then the mind would open up to just the, the being with it. So I, 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 I do mean that sincerely, that that is the question, is to clarify yourself. When, are, when is there a quality of savoring, pleasant, just being with it? And when does it turn into grasping? When is there the being with, and when does that turn into a subtle kind of suffering? Because this is the discovery we're looking for, is th- these kinds of distinctions within, within our experience. Because then I clarify when there's more of a sense of presence, and when there's a kind of reactivity that leads to my suffering. Uh, does, that, does that give a little bit to explore? Yeah, but thank you for that all-important question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I'm, so I'm with an anchor, mm-hmm. like the breath, and some other experience comes along, like like boredom or back pain, and then the instruction is, be with that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then experiences can keep coming, and I can just keep being with those experiences as they come in a way that is difficult for me to distinguish between that and being lost in thought. Does that make sense? Uh, say a little more. The, 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 like it's unclear if there's a lostness to it or a quality of presence? Yeah, because I can just kind of go from one experience to the next and not come back to the breath for minutes. Yeah. And it's like, am I, is there concentration? Am I being mindful or am I just getting lost? Yeah, great, great question. So the, the question is, is uh, kind of being with the breath or being with the anchor and then another experience might come up, maybe an ache in the knee or a sensation in the back and then uh, you're taking that as the kind of the the thing to be aware of, then you're aware of that, and then maybe a sound comes in, and then aware of that, and then a thought. And it's like there's all these other experiences that are unfolding um, and not really coming back to the breath. And then it's the question, well, am I just lost or am I being present? And how can I clarify that? Something like that. Um, This is where I find noting and labeling super helpful because it clarifies if I'm lost or not. And it clarifies if there's presence or not. Because the question you're asking again is really important. Is is the mind being present or is it lost? And this is, in some ways, we're discovering what being present is. What mindfulness is. You know, we up, you know we're sitting up here and we're giving these simple definitions of what mindfulness is. And you can read it in a book. But that's so different than our visceral experience of really what it is. And that takes a lot of time. So I just, again, want to frame this of this is a really important thing to clarify. When I can label what's going on, then I'm assured that there's mindfulness there. So paying attention to the breath and then it gets pulled away by a pain. If I say pain, then I know I'm present with it and not just lost in it. When there's thinking, if I can say thinking, then I know there's a kind of, because there needs to be mindfulness for that label to come out. That's why I, I emphasize the, the importance of using noting because it can clarify just this point you're making. Is there a quality of lostness or not? And if, for example, if I end up at the end of a sit that, that I'm like, wow, that was such a great sit, but like, I can't remember anything that happens. 
then mindfulness probably wasn't that strong. So that's encouragement to use noting. And again, there's a place to use noting and not. There are, you know, everything has its shadow side. But it can help clarify this of, of when the mind is lost or not. Uh, because it is the case that, that, yes, we're using the breath as an anchor, but it, we don't necessarily need to be with the breath for mindfulness to be present. You know, it can be that I'm feeling a pain in the knee and I'm just feeling the, the, the pulsation of that and then there's a hearing of a sound and then the mind might be lost a bit in thought and then it's noticing that planning was happening, noticing that worry was there. And then there's an ache in the back and there's a noticing of that for a while and then an itch on the head. So in many ways, it's not we being with the breath at all, but mindfulness is present with each of those experiences. And I'm, I'm, I'm noticing the quality of that, of, no, uh, of using this gauge of noting or labeling. Is that fitting or not? Or? Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. And, and, uh, and again, it's this exploration that's gonna, that's the wonderful thing about retreat is that we have days to explore just this piece. Of, of this. And again, utilizing noting or labeling to get a feeling sense of what lostness feels like and mindfulness feels like. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the question is, is, so if you have an itch on your head, why is it, why is it more mindful? Why is it better to not just scratch it? Let's get it over with. Um, rather than than pay attention to it. So a few things. Um, yes, scratching an itch is is not the end of the world, and <laughs> and uh, exactly. Uh, but not immediately acting on it can be so helpful and so revealing. Um, and and much of uh, the reason why for this, the, the door that that can open, that kind of game that we can play, is that it it starts to allow for for me a different way of being in the world. Because so much of my life, that's what's happening. There's some stimulus, and I'm just reacting to it. Right? There's the phone makes a sound, and then all of a sudden, I'm looking at it. I, I, I'm not even aware of what's happening in between there. And, and then I find my life is driven by these things that I would rather not be driven by. Because cause it's just to, to fit it into what I was talking about last night, it's like I'm on this habitual merry-go-round or it's just like surviving. I'm not here for my life. And to open up the space to notice, oh, here's the impulse to move I'm wondering what's that like? What's that feel like? And to notice what happens with the itch, a lot of times it will increase or decrease or change. And a lot of times it will just disappear. Or I mindfully decide that I'm going to scratch the itch. And then I'm there for my experience. So that's a whole different world to be there for it rather than to be lost and, and merely being tugged around. So again, there's nothing wrong with scratching an itch, but just to use it as a space, to, to, um, as an opportunity to be here more for our lives. So it can be really rich, just that, 
to open up that space and to see ha- see the wanting, the not wanting. Yeah. Okay, maybe uh, maybe one more over here. Yeah, so the, the question is, is, you know, what to do with maybe these different categories? Maybe on one day you're seeing a anxiety or worry and you're using that label often with the kind of the flavor of the thought or the next day maybe sleepiness or irritation. Um, what do we learn from that or, or is there more to do with these categories? Is, is that, yeah. yeah. Uh, So I kind of want to, I think there's a lot of different things that we can learn from that, and I just want to point out one, um, one angle to go, which is more kind of, you could say, a a traditional Vipassana approach, is, yes, we can start to become aware of particular patterns of the mind um, that, that are more common than others. Like, so we, we, we might notice that the mind has a tendency towards worry or towards anger, and that can be helpful in terms of understanding how this mind functions. But really, it's, it's, uh, there's also a different kind of insight that's happening that's, that's different than even that categorization or, or understanding more on a rational level. It's more of this understanding that I'd, that I'd say happens on a visceral level, which is it's a change in relationship. Again, what I'm looking for, where freedom is, is, is opening up the space for the heart and mind to relate to experience differently. So, Because there, there's a couple things that, that, for example, let's just take worry, that are associated around worry. Um, one is, the big one is that uh, with frequent worrying, what I notice my mind does with that is that I am such an anxious person, I worry so much. That's who I am. And I have this problem, and it's, it's really, it's, it's a big issue in my life. And if you ask me about myself, well, I'm someone who has a lot of anxiety. And that can be a, a great frame in terms of sometimes addressing these issues. And it can be so oppressive, because that's, that's who I am then. And then I'm, 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 I'm locked into this box. Whereas with this relationship, with labeling worry, what's implied of that is just an experience that's arising and passing away. Why would I want to claim it? Because <laughs> when I claim it, I end up bummed out. Oh, there it is again. It's just worry. And if you hear in that there's a different attitude, it's like, it's just worry. Rather than, oh my God, there's worry again. There's something wrong with me. <laughs> and then it's worry on top of worry. So there's something implied in the labeling, which is, it's just an experience that's arising and passing away. That's all it is. And do you hear with the way I'm describing that, the kind of freedom that's around that? It's just, it's just noticing the unfolding of experience without, without being as hooked by it. So it's a training in relationship because it's, it's, it's in a, the different relationship that really frees the heart and mind. 
There's an okayness with the unfolding of experience because yes, we can influence experience, but we don't have complete control over it. And that's where a lot of my suffering comes from is I'm wanting the complete control. And then I end up bummed out. Does that that give a little bit of a taste? And I want to say there's other facets, but I think that's one facet that can be helpful. Okay, so some announcements. The, uh, uh, I apologize, the, the, it took a little while to get the group practice discussion list up. Hopefully you saw it this morning. Um, we'll begin this morning at 10 a.m. Uh, and I just want na- uh, uh, to share the names for the, at least the first two group practice discussions. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.